High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Today is a very special day. Today is episode 300 of High School Slumber Party. That's right, somehow I mustered the strength and the courage to record, edit, and put out 300 of these episodes. It's shocking, shocking to me when I think about it. May 2018 was the first ever episode of High School Slumber Party. That was four years ago. I, I just can't believe that I've been doing this this long. And I don't mean that in like a negative way, like a bad way. It's just like, wow, I feel a little accomplished, you know? A little pat on the old backski. This whole high school slumber party experience has been amazing. It's been rewarding. It's been fulfilling. It's been hard at times. But honestly, when I look back, I've loved every second of it. I want to thank all the guests, and I'll thank them by name later, I want to thank all the listeners, of course. Thank you out there for listening. But, you know, 300, it's a big deal. I had no idea how to celebrate. I really didn't. I tried to come up with some stuff, and if you're like me, you know how these things start. I was like, episode 300, it's our senior year. Let's host a huge prom. Everyone in attendance will be in dresses and tuxedos. Jessica McClintock, Men's Warehouse, Tan and Taupe Everywhere, we'll rent a limo, Mike Manzi will DJ, I'll make punch! It'll be awesome. Like, sounds awesome, right? But honestly, like, one day I want to actually do that, and I know it sounds crazy, but I think it would be fun. But if you've been a listener of the show recently, you know that life's been a little tough for me for various reasons. It's been tough for everyone. And that's something that takes, like, at least a couple months of planning, I think. Also, if I'm going to be honest with you, pretty expensive to throw a prom. Do you remember how much you paid for your prom? Yeah, so, I don't know, I guess I could charge tickets, but it still feels weird to do that, and it feels like I would just need a lot of time to plan that, you know? So, shame on me for not planning more ahead on that one. Also, COVID, it's still a thing, guys. And yes, I'm going to Mets games, and I'm getting in a crowded subway every day, but... It still feels weird to ask my friends and other people to be like, hey, go in this crowded room and party with me. You might get sick. That might not ever change. I don't know. But I just need more planning. need more time. We'll do that eventually. I promise. Of course, the idea of just doing a less frilly live show came to mind, like we did for episode 100, which, by the way, was awesome. But for some of the same reasons, it wasn't in the cards. Planning, covid Things going on in my life. I thought about bringing in a bunch of past guests and just talking about the show, but I just didn't want to bother them, you know? And I kind of wanted this to be personal from me to you. So I really struggled with what to do here. But I didn't want to skip this, you know? I, I listened to other podcasts and 
I see the number 300, 400, 200 pop up and it's just another episode. And I'm like, you couldn't have acknowledged it. You couldn't acknowledge the time I've put into listening to your damn voice. So yeah, I wanted to do something. And then this idea came to me, right? Japan. They have the haiku, right? England, the iambic pentameter. What does the American high school have? How about the five-paragraph essay? You remember it. Start with something kind of related but ambiguous. Get to your thesis. Write five similar paragraphs. And sort of reverse from the beginning. Boom. Oh, wait. Three paragraphs in the middle. You get it. I'm not an English teacher. And I'm like, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get some inspiring ideas about the show. And I'm going to write these beautiful five-paragraph essays. And I went to my computer, and I started writing them, and I realized five-paragraph essays are a terrible way to teach kids how to write. It's so, uh, it's so, like, constraining. It's so structured. It's so, everything sounds the same when you write something in a five-paragraph essay. So I gave that up, too. But from that, I got this idea to just kind of write these rambles and kind of explain to you guys what this show means to me, what you mean to me as listeners. And yeah, so that's what you're going to get today. Oh, oh, and for those of you who reached out to me after last episode, just want to remind you that this show tends to blend fiction and reality. It's like 90% reality, 10% fiction. I understand how that could be a little hard for someone who cares about me out there or just in general, someone who cares about people to hear sort of sadness in my voice. And yes, I do get sad. I do spill my guts on the show. But remember, this is sort of a multiverse, a high school slumber party multiverse. Real Brian, it's okay. Don't worry. The future of this show, though, I really don't know. I suppose it's all up to that new superintendent, whoever he or she is. We're ending this school year differently. We usually do a yearbook special and stuff like that. But it's a little bit more low-key this year, a little bit more personal this year. It's episode 300, and I hope I could spill my guts once again to you. So please, 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 you can support this show by hitting that subscribe button, leaving a five-star review. Remember, you can listen to this show wherever you're listening now, but also Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. So if you're an Apple person, but your friend has an Android, tell them to listen on Spotify, tell them to listen on Google. Of course, you can catch up on old episodes of the show there or at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. If I forget, let me thank cageclub.me and the powers that be there, Joey and Mike, for letting me put this show on. Because, yeah, I mean, it's so great to be part of the network, but I think more on that later. And remember, of course, class participation is a huge part of your grade. Follow High School Slumber Party on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and follow my personal Twitter at OMYRodriguez, O-H-M-Y Rodriguez, my last name, if you haven't figured that out by now. Now, first up, why High School Slumber Party? Welcome, jocks, nerds, popular kids, and skaters. Oh, and a special shout-out to my friends on the ski team today. This is the very first episode of High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and I'll be hosting the Slumber Party later at my house. But first, school is still in session, so let's go back in time, if you will, to your high school days. 
Come on. Don't pretend you can't remember them. You remember them. Trust me, there are plenty of days I'd like to forget in high school, too. So together I hope we can, I don't know, exercise some of those demons. So close your eyes, relax, and picture yourself in the last day of class on a Friday. Any old Friday will do. Any Friday way back when. I know what you're thinking. It's eighth period. You've already tuned the teacher out. You're just staring into space. Or that clock on the wall. Or that girl or guy that you maybe had a crush on. But listen, we got some business to take care of. Or history, rather. Being that this is our first episode, we're making history here today. Together. Ugh. If this is your first time hearing my voice, well, I guess I apologize. If you're coming over from PSLF Hoffman, my original Cage Club Network podcast celebrating the career of Philip Seymour Hoffman, thanks for getting to know me over there, and I guess thanks for coming with me here. Hoffman should expect a lot of the same things, but a lot of different things as well. I haven't changed, and love me or hate me, and as hard as I try, I find it very hard not to be myself. So I guess this is what you get. However, on this show, High School Slumber Party, it's not about celebrating a great actor's career or even celebrating greatness. It's about looking back at the most awkward years of our lives and having a bit of fun. A lot of the show will be tongue-in-cheek, and honestly, a little silly. About as silly as a grown man hosting a slumber party with his grown-ass friends, but whatever. Like I said, we're just trying to have some fun, and I hope you have a little fun, too. Well, I'll tell you what. I've had fun, and I hope you've had fun, too. Those were the first ever words I said on High School Slumber Party. This show, episode one, happy to play that clip. Back then, I had a dream, a vision, a naivete. Yes, unfortunately, I was a bit naive about it. I really, really thought I could cover every single teen film that had ever been made in four years. I was even struggling to think, like, will I have enough for four years? Well... 300 episodes in, and I'm not even close. But you know what? That's a good thing. Well, first off, I fail to consider that they'd be making new teen films every year. You know our end-of-year wrap-up show. Now it's the AP wrap-up show. We talk about, like, 30 films. Indie films, streaming films. I thought they'd make, like, two a year, but nope. Every year they're churning out more and more and more and more and more. But also, the teen experience is so universal that I pretty soon realized that it's one of the most artistically covered slash exploited periods in a human being's life. And while the experience is universal, at least I believe, things like race, class, gender, geography, certainly the age you grew up in, too, create a nuance within that experience for writers and filmmakers that tell a different enough story that it keeps me interested but it means there's just going to be a lot of these stories out there. And not to mention the genres. Where are my horror fans out there? How many teen horror films exist? I learned that through the show. Certainly did not realize that before I started the show, before I became a sort of horror guy. The universal teenage story is told through so many lenses, is my point, in so many different ways, and I'm happy to report these days in more diverse ways than ever but it's also told in so many unique ways. And I never want to stop doing this because of that reason and some other reasons. Four years, it might take me eight years. It might take me 16 years. 
My wife probably doesn't want to hear this, but it might take me the rest of my life. All I know is I cannot quit hearing about these stories and, I don't know, sharing my thoughts on them. And thank you for listening, by the way. I'll probably say that a million times on this episode because it's better, better than shouting into the void about it. But what exactly is drawing me in to the teenage experience itself, aside from the great movies that are made about it? Is it that? Is it a look back on it? Is it nostalgia? Well, to be perfectly honest with you, I think it was at first. It was a real nostalgia era when I started. It wasn't so much nostalgia, though, for my teenage experience, but it was a nostalgia to look back at the films that I loved as a teenager. I've said this before, but I did not like my teenage experience. I'm kind of disgusted with the person that I was. But the movies of that era, I really loved. Not just the movies of that era, but like seeing The Breakfast Club for the first time, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Those films, watching them as a teenager, I was like, they get me. They were just as important to me, obviously, as like 10 Things I Hate About You, Can't Hardly Wait. You know, you pick one that means something to you. You know what it was like to be a teenager and watch a teen film and say, this artist gets me. It was awesome. I wanted to relive that experience. Not going to lie about that. And it's not that I don't still love those movies. I want to be clear when I say what I'm about to say. I really, really do. But also, the new stuff that's coming out? Ugh. I love it, maybe even more. But also, nothing makes me happier than a guest coming on and sharing their nostalgia with me for a great film that they discovered as a teen, or they discovered right now, or they were told about and watched and really, really enjoyed. And you know what I love to do? Hello? To Corey's lap will, uh, sorry, sorry, Joey, to Corey's series. I love the undiscovered and overlooked teen films from any era. Those are some of my favorites. I really, really, really then think the reason I love doing this show is because those years are so formative for everyone. And even as an adult, we haven't quite figured out what the proper game plan is. I'm sure some teachers have some strategies, psychologists have their strategies, universities probably have their strategies on how best to navigate those teen years. But unless you're in it, unless you're the teen in the arena, whew, it's all conjecture, right? So will I be the one to figure it out? I really highly doubt it. I'm going to say no. Watching all these teen films might give me a little bit more perspective on the movies, but... I cannot step into a time machine. I cannot be in a teenager's shoes again. So, yeah, probably not going to be me who finds the secret sauce to surviving your teenage years. On our reunion episodes, though, I like to ask my guests some form of this question, right? If you could give advice to your high school self, what would that advice be? And I think I've answered it in some form here and there. But since this is the 300th episode... I finally jotted down how I really feel in this moment, what advice I would give a young teenage Brian. So here goes. One, don't take everything so personally. Two, your creative interests are not flaws. Don't hide from them. Embrace them. Three, don't search for validation from parents or other authority figures. Validation from them will come when they see you happy, successful, and working hard at something you love to do. Four, don't be consumed with the person people tell you that you should be. 
specifically when it comes to things like gender roles. It's okay for a man to cry. You don't need to prove your manliness to anyone. You don't need to be this or that. Just be yourself in whatever form that might take. Five, you can't control what other people say or think. You can only control your own actions, which is still true today. Brian, take that advice. And I mean younger Brian and this age Brian and older Brian as well, probably. <laughs> and six. I don't know why there's six here, not five or ten. Six is a weird number. But young Brian, lean into your weirdness. Wear the paisley shirts. Wear the berets. Rock that weird soul patch and be proud of it. Don't hide from it. Embrace it. I'm sure I could come up with more stuff, but those are the most important things that I can think of right now. So somehow in this weird high school slumber party multiverse, past Brian, teenage Brian, if you're listening on the other timeline, heed my advice. And honestly, I kind of wish 50-year-old Brian would communicate with me and give me some advice now. Trust me, I need it. If you're not in the know, there have been a lot of rumors about the demise of High School Slumber Party. So if you're wondering where this ramble comes from, where this manifesto comes from, it might be from this. Is High School Slumber Party going to be canceled? What is the Cage Club Network going to do? Am I going to be forced to work for another show? Things have really been slow here release-wise, but the passion is still here, I promise. If only the powers that be at Cage Club could just understand that. I feel like I've let everyone down recently, so yeah. I guess this is a weird, meandering way of me apologizing to you, to them, getting on my knees, and hoping I can keep my job here at High School Slumber Party. Did you threaten this customer or use profanity in any way? Uh... Why, he insulted me first. He called me a moron, Dennis. Answer me. Did you threaten this customer or use profanity in any way? Yes. You're fired. I'm very sorry, sir. I'll refund your money right now. Hope you won't hold this against us. You know how these young kids are these days. Here we are. Perhaps another breakfast. I hope you had a hell of a piss, Arnold. Look who just walked in. Mike Manzi, I didn't book you today. Well, Brian... Since it's your 300th episode, I thought I'd drop by and surprise you. Oh, you're like like Santa Claus. <laughs> it's always great seeing you, Mike, but do you mind hanging out for a bit? I'm supposed to meet the new superintendent of High School Slumber Party. Surprise! Uh, I'm not following. I just spoke to the godfather of the Cage Club Podcast Network, Joey Lewandowski, and he's appointed me the new superintendent. That's the good news. Wow, uh, okay, what's the bad news? I've been reviewing your recent attendance, and it seems like you won't have enough credit to graduate this year, unless... Jesus, unless what? If my calculations are correct, and we work in some summer school, some extra credit assignments, some episodes of my choosing, and you submit all of your unreleased episodes, maybe, just maybe, we can talk about your future and the future of this show. Oh, man, it's our senior year. I was planning on going to San Emilio Island with Kyle again to celebrate. And what about our senior yearbook special and prom and graduation? What the hell are we going to do? Summer school? Summer school? If you work very hard this summer, you will get all those things and more. You know, time is an interesting thing. It's important you use it wisely. Great Scott, it's time for me to leave. Anyway, happy 300th. Best of luck. 
You'll be seeing a lot of me this summer. Thanks, I guess. Uh, sure you don't want to stick around? We're about to talk some teen film sequels and why they don't really exist, you know? I thought it was a fun topic to talk about. Sequels? Where I'm going, I don't need sequels. What? I have to go record Third Time's a Charm. See ya! Mike Manzi, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for stopping by, I guess. And I guess this means we gotta go to summer school and see where that takes us. Oh boy. Well, this is proving to be a really weird show. <laughs> well, Mike Manzi's the new superintendent. This should be fun. Gonna have to follow some of his rules. Gonna have to release some unreleased episodes. And got some projects planned, I think, for this summer, too. Now that I know we sort of have to do everything in our power to get on the schedule for next season. Ooh, the drama, the pressure. But I did intend to talk about a lot more stuff today on the 300th episode. This is my platform. Let me do it, please. And then I just teased it, too. So I'm going to say it. Why are there no teen film sequels? I've been thinking about this a lot. Now, of course, I get asked this question a lot. And the real answer is that's not really true, right? American Pie has sequels, but it's college. This isn't uncommon or unheard of. A lot of times we'll see teen films, like the next level of it or the college years, and then sometimes even the adulting years, like the American Pie franchise. And of course, horror films have plenty, plenty, plenty of sequels. And yeah, there might be one or two that still involve the same teenagers from the original, but usually it's a new cast of teenagers, or again, a graduation to college or something. Same killer, different people, or same killer, different place. That's usually how it goes. Now... In the streaming years, we have YA adaptations with sequel books, and they get sequel movies, like The Kissing Booth, like To All the Boys. So yeah, I guess that's changing a little bit. But don't give me like, oh, what about He's All That? Again, different cast. The gender switch thing is not a sequel in my book. Not what we're talking about. We are talking about the people from the first film appearing in the second film, but still being teenagers in high school, right? Mean Girls 2, another classic with a sequel that no one's seen because it's just new people and they just want to use the Mean Girls name for money. Let's be honest. And I know what you're thinking out there, Joey. Grease 2, great movie, but again, different people. God bless Michelle Pfeiffer. There is no dinner club, is my point. There is no 11 Things I Hate About You, Freaky Saturday, 17 Candles, Faster Times at Ridgemont High, Too Fast to Ridgemont. Why is this exactly? So as discussed, the teen experience is universal, right? In some ways, not always, but you get it. I'm not going to do that speech again. The Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, Sixteen Candles. They feel like they're in the same world, right? Did they need a sequel? Yeah, they're all John Hughes films, but I don't know. Okay, different, different example here. Clueless, Mean Girls. Not the same creator. Not the same film, not the same characters, both great movies, not the same story, but I feel like there's links there spiritually, right? It's like the genre to me is one big sequel that happens to be going in a million different directions. And yes, I broke my own rule, different casts that would imply that, but I think my point is we don't necessarily need sequels in these stories. 
I just think that if we keep telling different versions of the same tale, it makes it sound bad, but again, I host High School Slumber Party. Wow, I'm Mr. Caveat today, aren't I? I should have written my words before I said them. Anyway, point is, it's not a genre that needs sequels. We're getting extensions of the same story. We're getting little differences here and there. So a sequel seems a little bit extra to me. Another thing that I potentially thought of as a reason of why we don't get these sequels are, adults kind of view the teen experience as temporary and even brief, right? What's four years in the grand scheme of things? But look, I've been doing this show for four years. It didn't feel as long as high school, but four years in that one world takes up a lot of your life. Think about how formative those years are. Because when you're there, it's a lifetime. It's everything. And think about what percentage of your life that is when you are there. It's a big chunk. So on that note, I kind of wanted to segue into this other thing that I've been thinking of lately. Are films really the best format to showcase high school or the teen experience in general? So like, yeah, I just said that we don't need sequels. But if you really, really, really want an in-depth view, maybe it's TV. We're in the golden age of TV. No one can debate that with me. There are so many great shows out now. The streamers are fighting over your attention. Think about it. Think about how many shows that are on your watch list right now. I don't know. Maybe it's something we need to explore in this show. I said I would just stick to movies, but when we started the show... I don't think TV was in the place that it is. Or, to be honest with you, I felt like TV was a little bit daunting. We can't go episode by episode, right? Is it season by season? Do I binge the entire thing and talk about it? But look at a show like Euphoria. Maybe the best show on TV to a lot of people, right? I love Euphoria. It feels more relevant to the teen experience today than a lot of films we talk about here. So are we missing out here in High School Slumber Party? by not talking TV, it's something I'm going to think about this summer. Because when you think about it, what do we have? 9 and 2 and 0, Daria, Clone High, Saved by the Bell, Pretty Little Liars, Gossip Girl, Riverdale, Fresh Prince, Dairy Girls, I love that show, Boy Meets World, that 70s show, The O.C., that's just what I could list off the top of my head. There's so many great teen shows. The question really is not so much if they're important to what we're studying here, they are. The question is more, how do we cover them in a succinct manner that fits in with what we do here at High School Slumber Party? I don't know. Like I said, that's my homework for the summer. Until then, let me know what you think. Hit us up on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, if you want us to cover more TV. And yeah, I guess I'm going to be watching more TV this summer as well. Driving in the sun, looking up for number one, California, here we come, right back where we started. All this damn song reminds me of is that I won't be surfing on San Emilio Island this summer because of summer school. Yay! Anyway, alright, so, look, the reason I love High School Slumber Party is still on my mind. I'm still trying to figure it out. I know I've tried to define it on this episode. It's certainly, though, 
not the time machine thing, as I debate it back and forth. I really, really, really don't want to go back to high school, as some of you have asserted out there. (laughs) Well, okay, I would go back to high school, but that would only be to, like, improve my current life standing. Like, I would really, really study hard. I would bet on a certain team to win the World Series. I would invest in stocks, you know, stocks that I knew were going to go up and buy all the Dogecoin imaginable. But but I would not enjoy my experience there again. Ugh. The awkwardness, the relationships. They should not have let me talk to girls at that age. They should have just locked me away. Not being able to drive. The friendships, though. The friendships I would keep. Yeah, you've listened to this show, right? You know I bring on a lot of my friends on the show, and a lot of those are high school friends. And getting to know them in high school was probably the best part of that experience. It's funny because I was actually saying this to my friend's girlfriend the other day, but sometimes when the old boys get together, we'll say, I feel like we revert to our high school selves. I'll like wake up the next day after a barbecue and be like, did I? say that last night and to be honest with you it's not stuff i'm proud of it's not that crazy i don't want you to like fill in the gaps in weird places but it's sort of like the camaraderie that straddles between the line of locker room talk and immature tomfoolery more on the immature tomfoolery side i can assure you of that but part of that morning regret is like did we alienate someone else who's not in the know who's not in the clique like a new significant other for example i hate that feeling i don't want to do that and i really don't want to glorify our rowdy behavior and again i'm using rowdy in quotation marks that you can't see we're not that insane half of my friends are married with kids and yes that doesn't automatically make you responsible but it should They're loving and devoted family people is my point. We're not crazy, but it does, again, feel like we revert to a little bit of our teenage selves. I'll leave it at that. It's just sort of like the brain steps into the time machine. Not the body, not with all our actions, but part of the brain does. And this particular time machine is sort of like the time machine that takes over me and my brain when I'm editing High School Slumber Party, when I'm doing an episode, when I have a guest. On the one hand, I don't want the perspective of the show to be immature and dated, or that of a teenager in 2004. I don't want it to feel clicky. I don't want people to listen and feel like they aren't in on the jokes. I definitely, definitely don't want that. What I do want is that energy to come through here on High School Slumber Party. I want you to feel like you are my high school friends. I want you to feel like you're in the clique and we are getting together at a barbecue and talking about high school and just talking about our lives with that kind of enthusiasm. Like we can pick up after years, well, not really, please listen every week, but we can pick up after years in the same exact place we left. I want this show to be reconnecting with an old friend. And that's what I'm striving to do. That is my goal. So, yeah, my creed, my manifesto, play like a champion today. Thank you for listening, and thank you for being my friend. Thank you for being a friend. 
Travel down a road and back again Your heart is true You're a pal and a confidant Fortunately, this part of the ramble is a little tough for me. There is one friend from high school who I do miss. One friend who I don't get to see anymore. But yet, he's always on my mind every time I do this show. Let me tell you a little bit about this friend. Because he actually would have turned 35 about a week ago, and he's been on my mind even more than usual, believe it or not. For me, turning 35, which I will this summer, seems natural, even delayed, For him, he never got that chance. He feels frozen in time, and so does our friendship. I want to say it feels weird to have the presence of someone who was just barely a teenager when he passed watching over me, but actually it doesn't feel weird at all. It just feels weird thinking about it in like an earthly, practical form and saying it out loud and talking about it. There is nothing earthly and practical, though, about a young man dying, especially at his own hands. There's nothing clean-cut about it, And I understand that there's a lot of people on paper who would save the veneration for someone who actually wanted to be here. And again, it's hard to argue with them in an earthly and practical way. Though to be fair, we've made such momentous strides over the last decade or so when it comes to understanding and treating mental health that I doubt anyone today would make the same claims they did at the time of his death. Still, most people don't have 20-year-old suicide victims at the top of their pyramid of admiration. But to me, he's a hero. The sadness is still here, but the heartbreak is not all I feel. I feel a sense of pride, too. Proud to have known him. Proud that I was one of the few that had that chance. He was by no means perfect. But again, what young person is? While some people knew him as a wrestling champion or a fun-loving jock, I knew him as a kid who had trouble making friends. I knew him as someone who loved horoscopes. I knew him as someone who would be the first to help a person in need. Someone who volunteered and someone who stuck his neck out for the less fortunate. Everyone knew him for his big heart. It takes heart to be a county wrestling champion. It takes heart to stand up for a friend, too. And I keep coming back to this same story. Look, I wasn't the coolest kid in high school, but by no means was I an outcast. Honestly, I would have probably survived better if I was an outcast. But no, my bold personality and my propensity for not keeping my head down and not keeping my mouth shut made me an easy target at times. It's funny because it wasn't the popular kids who would try to come at me. It was always these kids who wanted to be popular. And this one particular kid, let's call him Bob, decided he would earn his keep by putting my head on a spike on this random, otherwise forgettable school day. For whatever reason... He decided to throw some paper at me or something along those lines. I don't know. He like crumpled something up and threw it at me. And then he just would giggle and poke the cool kid sitting next to him and be like, look what I did. Look what I did. Naturally and childishly, I threw the paper back at him. The whole thing escalated into this immature and certainly bizarre pitched battle of throwing books at each other. It was an English class after all. Never have the rambling words of Twain and Hawthorne been used as a more potent and pointless weapon than in their physical use that day? What would Henry David Thoreau think if he knew Walden was being used as a classroom warhead? Would he still have borrowed Bronson Alcott's axe and gone into the woods that day? Not the civil disobedience he had in mind. Of course, the melee did not end well. 
As this was a skirmish that was occurring right before class started, it was allowed to go on unchecked until one of the books hit a plant that our lovely, lovely teacher, Miss Muller, had been growing in the window. And at that exact moment, she happened to rush in and ask who broke her plant. Looking back, she taught kids, I think in the 70s, at least what it felt like, at least the 80s. And, you know, that's when real shit was going down in high school. So I'm sure this squabble was nothing to her. Still, at the time, I was afraid. So I didn't fess up. And guess what? My tormentor Bob didn't fess up either. So naturally, Miss Miller became very upset with us and wouldn't start the class until someone explained to her what happened. Out of nowhere, my dear friend stood up and claimed he had broke the plant. He said it was an accident. He said he would buy her a new one. And she was really about to assign him detention. He wasn't involved in the fight at all. He just wanted to selflessly take the heat from me. Of course I couldn't let him do that. I ended up taking the blame myself. But those small actions, and trust me, there were a lot of them, not just the one that happened on that day. Those small actions linger with me. I know a silly story like that isn't really a fair encapsulation of how someone lived their life. But in a weird way, I'm happy now that that's the memory that's shining through today. Look, I have my days where I still don't understand why I'm the one here and he's not. But I'm fortunate he's still with me in memory, and his message of sticking up for his friends, accountability, service to others, is with me as well. He survived his teens just barely, but still died way too young. So I want to take this platform, as tiny as it is, to remind you slumberers that if you or a loved one needs help in a crisis, or should you want to support a noble cause, check out the 988 Suicide and Crisis Prevention Hotline. You may have known them by their former name, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, but starting July 16th, you can actually call or text 988 and get connected with someone who can help. It's just like 911. This is like an awesome thing that I'm so happy that they've gotten to that point where it's that... I don't want to say easy, because that is not something that's easy, but at least more accessible. And seriously, if you can, I ask you to just support by spreading the word on that, because that's such an important resource for someone in need. Also, the Trevor Project is a great, great organization as well. Look them up. They do great work. Support them. And of course, your local crisis centers in your community need your help as well. Look them up too. If any of you out there just want to talk, email me, message me. I'm surprisingly incredibly accessible. Well, probably not that surprising, but seriously, seriously, if you ever want to talk, I am here. Thank you for letting me speak about my friend. And please also remember this. If you're ever in need, lean on your friends, lean on your loved ones. They're there for you. Okay, so I thought about this, and there are three things that make this show go, right? The movies, of course. So I want to thank all the filmmakers and artists out there who put them together. It's not easy to get something made, obviously. It's also not easy to draw from real experience, especially teenage experience, and spill your guts to the world. So we definitely salute you here on High School Slumber Party. The second, of course, are the guests. So I want to thank every guest who's ever been on High School Slumber Party. So here goes. I have to start with Kyle Reinfried, the foodie films man, a high school friend of mine and my first podcast partner. So, Kyle, we salute you. I'd also like to thank Jenny O'Connell, Alex Schroeder, Chris Carroll, Mike Rivera, Caragel O'Regan, who I love, Shawnee Mead, who I also love. I love all these people, okay? But Nick Jenkins, 
Jordan Poland Clark, Jenna Guillaume, Queen Elizabeth II, that was a fun episode, Dan Ferrara, Autumn Ferrara, Erica W. Smith, Tobin Addington, Wesley Vina, Alexa Barikian, John Harden, Joe Two, of course, Walt Hickey, Chris Podcasts, Christian Larson, Kirkland Shepard, Matt Delhauer, Danny Kim, Charlie Talbert, Angus himself, Kelsey Murray, Rachel Shepard, Galen Howard, Cousin Pumpkin, of course, Austin Wolf Southern, Dan the Duke Hayden, Dan Cologne, Ryan Stick, Michael Conrad Tavares, Jane Webb, Keith Dorsey, John Brooks, Bobby Fisher, Melissa Galeanos, Kenny Rodriguez, and Matt Kelly. Hope I didn't miss anyone, but I did save some special people for the end here. First, Kate Hudson, one of our most tenured guests ever. You introduced me to Twilight and so many other great films, and I love it. Slumbers, if you think the episodes with Kate Hudson are crazy, I wish you could listen to what I edit out. I wish you could read our Twitter messages, but those will be locked in the vault forever. Trust me. (laughs) Kate, you are probably my favorite Twitter follow ever, so thank you. And by the way, look for more Twilight content in the coming months. Island Addington, simply the best. High School Slumber Party AP has been a revelation. You've become someone who I really look forward to talking movies with and just talking with. You're a friend. Thank you, Island. And also, check out more High School Slumber Party AP. Like I've said on this very episode, I love doing the modern films. We're going to do more of them. And I can't wait for you to join us on that journey. And how about our new superintendent, Mike Manzi? I'm so glad that he was appointed in that position. I know he's not going to go easy on us, but I'm looking forward to working with him some more. What more can be said, though, really? This show wouldn't be here without Mike. If I ever need a guest to do anything out of nowhere, he's down. I know I have Mike, and we know we're going to have a great conversation. Also, we have a new show together. Uncle Francis's Wine Cellar. We talk the films of Francis Ford Coppola. Check that out wherever you get your podcasts. And speaking of Mike Manzi, truth be told, there was another thing I really wanted to write about. And every time I put pen to paper, if you will, it didn't come out right. I talked about friendship. I talked about the bonds he built. But did I talk about Hot Dog Club? No, I did not. At least not yet. So basically, for... When we covered the obscure film Flying, a.k.a. Dream to Believe. If you've never heard of it, by the way, don't worry. But if you've never heard of it, you haven't heard the episode, so listen to the episode. Keanu Reeves has a very interesting scene in that movie with a hot dog. My guests on that episode, the aforementioned Mike Manzi and the wonderful Jordan Poland Clark. And someone else was on that episode. I can't remember who it was. (laughs) So Mike, Jordan, and I decided to keep the fun going, and we have this great hot dog group chat where we just share hot dog news i suppose just hot dog memes interesting hot dogs it is so fun i look forward to when i get an alert that the hot dog chat is active but you know jordan i think it was last year put together this beautiful monologue about it and i'm not doing it justice so i asked jordan's permission to use it for this episode so enjoy Pandemic has brought me a lot of surprise social interactions, but my favorite one is a Facebook messenger group I'm a member of called Hot Dog, where three friends and I exclusively message about hot dogs. It all started with Keanu Reeves. Yeah, Keanu Reeves. Stay with me. 
A few years ago, two of my friends from college started a podcast called Keanu Club, where they watched and made a podcast episode about every Keanu Reeves movie. They invited me to join them on a few episodes, so after choosing a couple movies that I had heard of, I started to Google the ones I hadn't, and that's how I found Flying, which might also be called Dream to Believe, or it might be called Teenage Dream. No one seems to know or care. It's in the public domain, and you can only watch it on YouTube or buy a weird homemade DVD copy on eBay. Why anyone would spend their time to make either of those things happen, I don't know, but bless their hearts because someone did both of those things, and I've now seen this movie a lot of times. Flying was released in 1986 and stars Olivia Diabato, who would go on to play Karen Arnold on The Wonder Years, as an underdog high school gymnast named Robin. Keanu plays her love interest, Tommy. I decided I needed to see it because as a former gymnast, I'll watch anything about gymnastics. I got so much more than I bargained for. This wannabe Flashdance movie has everything I could ever dream of. Gymnastics montages, music that was written with lyrics that are narrating the movie, all the 80s fashion, a high school gymnastics coach with a British accent who looks like Ziggy Stardust-era David Bowie, lifetime-esque plots that include a car accident, a dead father, a scary stepfather, and then a dead mother. A scene where for no reason Robin holds a photo of naked breasts in a magazine over her own breast and looks in the mirror shocked. An outdoor tumble-off. An actress who runs so flat-footed there's no way she could be a gymnast and for some reason she runs a lot in the non-gymnastic scenes. But most importantly, it has a montage where Robin and Tommy eat hot dogs on the street. I'm a person who laughs a lot and has a lot of different kinds of laughing. I don't know if this happens to other people, but I have a type of laughter that shares a lot of similarities with uncontrollable crying. When this type of laughter happens, it's unstoppable and goes on for minutes and usually does result in tears. It's my favorite thing. When it happens during a movie, I have to pause the movie, otherwise I'll miss what's happening. When the hot dogs happen in flying, I had to hit pause for like five minutes. Nobody I've ever shown the hot dog scene to thinks it's as funny as I do. I don't know why my brain is like this, but here's how the scene goes. Robin and Tommy are outside, and their will-they-won't-they situation is coming to a head. Tommy gives a monologue about being a carnival barker and family trouble, which makes absolutely no sense in the context of the movie, but Keanu Reeves was just as perfect 35 years ago as he is now, so whatever, just let him talk. This causes some tension between the two, and the montage begins when Tommy walks away with Robin chasing after him. Told you, there was a lot of running. As I start to describe the rest of this, I'm realizing that it's not even really a montage, it's just a scene in the movie with some cuts, but they put music over all of it. Maybe the audio quality of the dialogue was bad and they couldn't ADR, and this was their solution because they couldn't get rid of the part of the movie where the couple actually gets together? Okay, anyway. Robin's chasing Tommy through the streets, but they stop and wait for a light to change. We watch them wait. The light changes. They walk across the street, and he's still pissed, and she's still chasing him. She playfully kicks him in the butt a couple of times. Then they stop and stare at each other. After a few seconds, they both begin to laugh, and they link arms and walk together, and they are a couple now. You know what every new couple needs to do? Eat hot dogs. So they stop at a hot dog cart. There's a close-up of Tommy's hand squirting ketchup onto a hot dog. The ketchup sputters. The hand tries again, but with better ketchup success. It seems like too much ketchup. Then there's a wider shot of Robin and Tommy standing at the hot dog cart. Then, a close-up of Tommy's face, which looks to be saying, I've done something dumb, and I'm going to do more of it, and I'm a little embarrassed. We get another close-up of the ketchup hot dog. 
A hand starts to add spoonfuls of relish. Then we get a tight shot of Robin's reaction. She looks horrified. Close up of Tommy's sorry face. Close up of the hot dog. More relish is spooned on and spread around. Close up of Robin's horrified face. Close up of the hot dog, now with a hand, adding fingerfuls of sauerkraut. We see Olivia's face again, still horrified, staring, unblinking. Close up of Tommy's face. He looks at her. His eyes look down at his hot dog. He looks at her again, embarrassed. His face says, oh shit, you can see me doing this, but I can't stop. He smiles. She laughs. Then the first and only jump in time happens, and we see Tommy and Robin in a sunlit doorway. He picks her up, spins her around, and then they kiss. End of montage. I have a fondness for things that are so silly that they shouldn't exist, and I have a lot of questions about why this exists and whose idea it was. Did somebody write it to be this way? Were the hot dogs in the script, meaning somebody had to get the hot dog cart and the hot dogs and hire an actor to be the hot dog man? Did Keanu and Olivia practice their hot dog reaction faces? Or was it more random? Maybe they were shooting the scene and happened upon a hot dog cart, and someone thought, yeah, we can use this. Everyone loves hot dogs. Did Keanu and Olivia have to improv their hot dog scenes? Does that mean that's how Keanu really eats his hot dogs? The possibilities are endless, and none of them end in me thinking, yeah, that makes sense. So my friends and I record the podcast episode, and they're tickled at how funny I think the hot dogs are, so much so that afterwards they'd periodically send me things about hot dogs. But even better is sometimes they send me things about Keanu Reeves and hot dogs. Because yes, in his career, he's made more than one thing that has hot dog content. Most notably, in the movie Sweet November, he plays an ad man who gives a presentation to some hot dog clients that involves him yelling, IT'S A HOT DOG! over and over as he unveils increasingly sexual hot dog ads, including one that is literally two ladies, Lady and the Tramping, a hot dog. Peanut butter and jelly, bread and butter, salt and pepper, Keanu and hot dogs. Another friend has a podcast about high school movies, and he enjoyed our episode so much that he invited us on to talk about flying again around the start of the pandemic. He created a Facebook chat to hash out the details of recording, and for some reason that I can't remember anymore, it became a place to drop any and all hot dog content, of which there is a lot, apparently, if you start paying attention. I don't actively seek out hot dog content, but still have something to send at least once a week. One member of our Facebook chat created the Keanu Hot Dog Challenge, which we have all completed, as have several of our friends. It goes like this. Pick five condiments from your fridge and film yourself as you pile too much of each one onto a hot dog and then eat the hot dog and any condiments that fell onto your plate. It was sometimes gross, but one of my friends used lentils as a topping and I'm still impressed. I also found it surprisingly comforting to watch videos of people I know eating. Just eating. Most people didn't really talk much after they explained their condiments and then they just sat there chewing and swallowing for a few minutes. I don't think I have a particular attachment to watching people eat, but it's funny the things you find out you miss when you don't get to see very many people doing anything at all for a long time. It's nice that it's possible to connect with people over small and non-important sounding things, and it's even nicer when the connection isn't fleeting, even if it remains narrow. I wouldn't describe myself as close with most of my hot dog friends, and I probably never will be, but that doesn't mean that the hot dogs aren't important. We've joked about getting hot dog tattoos when the pandemic ends, and sometimes I think I might actually do it. Hot dogs are pretty stupid looking, and it would be hard to explain the meaning of it to outsiders, but at the same time, I think it would be nice to have a permanent reminder about the unpredictability of relationship and the importance of absurdity and uncontrollable laughter. Also, if you know Keanu Reeves, please tell him thank you and ask him how he eats his hot dogs.
Yes, thank you, Keanu. But thank you, Jordan. Those were beautiful, beautiful words. I'm happy I could share them with the slumbers as well. Oh, my God. And I'll give this bit of advice. If any of you out there want to start a podcast, it is a lot of work. It takes dedication. It takes a real vision. It takes patience. But it is worth it for the friendships and the bonds you build and the weirdness like Keanu Hot Dog Club. So once again, thank you, Jordan, for sharing that and letting me share it here. Okay, two more people I wanted to thank on this show today. Of course, of course, I have to thank the godfather. Finally, Joey Lewandowski. He was actually one of the original Hot Dog Club members before he opted out. You can ask him about it. I don't know why he opted out. Regardless, he is the godfather of the network, the CEO and president and commander-in-chief of the Cage Club Podcast Network. So thank you, Joey, for putting up with this show. Thank you for not canceling High School Slumber Party, at least not yet. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The community that Joey has helped start build here at the Cage Club Podcast Network. I can count so many friends now who I've met through the network, and I can think of so many hours of shows that I've listened to from the network. Definitely check out all the other great shows on cageclub.me, specifically Joey's show, since I am thanking him, Too Fast, Too Forever, and everything else he does there. Titular Cage Club, what started it all. Nicolas Cage still making movies, Keanu still making movies, Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks still making movies, and Joey is going to be podcasting about all those with his various, various co-hosts. So everyone, thank Joey publicly, privately, at Soul Popped on Twitter, the man most responsible for keeping this show on the air. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Also, I wanted to quickly thank my wife, Nicole, for putting up with me, of course. She might be the person who hates this podcast the most. I don't know. But she gives me her blessing to do it, and she lets me interrupt our lives, so I'm really, really grateful about that. In all seriousness, I try not to let the show get in the way of home life and family. Family always comes before podcasting, and it should for you too. Still, in a one-bedroom apartment, it's hard to get around it, right? Odds are I'm podcasting somewhere in the living room. She can hear me throughout the apartment. She just kind of sequesters herself and does her thing. I don't think she's always happy about it, but I appreciate that she hasn't canceled me as well. And beyond Nicole, I want to thank my friends, my loved ones who've put up with me as well. I'm sure I'm a huge pain in the ass. I know I am. So thank you for your advice and support. You know who you are out there. Love you. Oh, and I forgot. I said there are three things that make a podcast go. The movies, the guests, and of course, you, the listeners, the slumberers out there. Trust me, I do not take it for granted for a single moment that you're taking time out of your day to listen to this little thing. Even if it was just one person out there listening, I refuse to take that for granted. Thank you, thank you, thank you always, and I hope I can always be present for you, and I hope I can always be a distraction or whatever you need in your life, whatever reason you come to High School Slumber Party. Once again, thank you so much for listening. We wouldn't have 300 without you. So what do you say? 300 more? Let's get through this summer first. Let's see what the superintendent thinks by the end of it, and we'll see the direction of the show, but it's been a blast so far. I hope we can get 300 more in. I hope we can have episode 1000 one day. I hope we can have our special high school slumber party prom. But remember, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop looking around once in a while, you could miss it. Later, dudes.
Go.